0: Good evening. It's probably good that I'm standing here talking, because if I was sitting down, I couldn't guarantee to stay awake. <laughs> it's kind of, it's one of those, <gasps> have I got any energy left evenings. Um, kind of, it, if you heard me speak Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago, in a way, kind of tonight's talk is the introduction to what I said then. So if you get frustrated with me that I don't take this far enough tonight by all means, go online and listen to what comes next in the talk that I gave already, which sounds a bit kind of weird, doesn't it? But never mind. Um, I'm really focusing on those words of Jesus tonight, where he stands on the last day of the feast and invites the people to come to him, anyone that's thirsty, to come to him and drink and says that streams of living water will flow out of them. Um, and um, kind of, yeah. More, I want to talk, um, ab- yeah, ab- about kind of that in particular. Um, but I want to kind of put it in kind of the context of kind of the kind of the big picture of scripture. Um, I have a favourite walk. I would say probably it's one of my all-time favourites, if not my favourite walk. And it's from, um, it's the walk if you go down to Devon to Linton, um, there's a walk up the river from Linton, which takes you up to Dartmeat. Has anyone done that walk? There's a, it just, it's not far. It's only, it goes from the coast and follows the river, and it goes up to Dartmeat. And it is the most gorgeous walk um, it, you kind of walk through kind of woodland with the, with the river running beside you, all along the banks. And it's that lovely kind of dappled light that you get when the sun comes through the leaves. Um, it's spectacular kind of countryside. Um, it's also one of the few places where you can see dippers. Anyone know what a dipper is? Think of a blackbird with a white blob on it that looks for bugs under the water, rather hence dip, dip in and under and all the rest of it. Uh, And you can see you know, wagtails there, just really lovely kind of waterside birds. Uh, And if you kind of make all your way up to Dartmeat, it's called Dartmeat because there are two rivers that combine there um the river east the East Lynn and the Haw Oak water and they kind of come together which is what makes the kind of the current so powerful where it kinda of runs down between the trees down to the coast. And what is particularly nice about it is that there is a National Trust tea room that sits at the junction of these two rivers and you can sit there. On a glorious summer's day, and have a lovely Devonshire cream tea. The own pardon? Well, as about the cat. My memory, unfortunately, the one downside about it was the wasps that were after the jam. Clearly, wrong time of year to be there. But it it was just just gorgeous. Definitely one of my favourite walks. Tonight, I want to talk about um, the spiritual equivalent of dark meat. Um, kind of dark meat is where two rivers meet. Um, tonight I want to talk about where three uh, biblical rivers meet and they all meet in the person of Jesus when he stands in the temple and he invites people to come to him to drink and says that when they do, streams of living water will flow out of them. They meet in that stream of living water that he promises. to people that put their trust um, in him. So as you're aware, we're continuing in John's Gospel. Um, you will have seen over the past few weeks that Jesus' relationship uh, with the crowds is becoming increasingly strained. um, He's becoming divisive. People are still for him, and they're still wanting to follow him, but others are arguing against him or turning um, away from him, Uh, and they are struggling with how his claims are getting increasingly kind of audacious. Um, And they, and they, and, and you know, this is another one of those great claims that he makes when he stands in the temple. Uh, and the context of this, and the whole chapter is set in this context, is what is called the Feast of Tabernacles, um, and it's one of three festivals where all of the Jews are commanded to go to Jerusalem and the temple um, to celebrate. Um, another name for it is the Feast of Ingathering, uh, and it's, kind of, it's a festival with two parts, if you like. It has two specific emphases. It's a bit like what we're going to do next week. It's a harvest festival. It's about saying thank you to God for everything he's provided for them. So kind of it's hence in gathering when the crops have been brought in, you come up and you celebrate and you give thanks. So that's half of it. The other half is also about giving thanks. But it's about God's, it's giving thanks for God's activity in Israel's history. So the tabernacles bit of it relates to when they were in the wilderness and they slept in tents and they made shelters. And that was kind of what they had to live in. And God provided for them in the wilderness. Um, and so the, the, the idea of tabernacles is also thanking God for his historical vision. So as part of the festival, they would kind of have a camping holiday in the city. Um, they would build tabernacles and they would live in the tabernacles for the period of the festival. And I was amazed because I went to Jerusalem a number of years ago Mm, fireworks, how nice. Um, how exciting. Um, and, um, kind of, of course, Jerusalem this is this kind of hybrid city. There's a lot of ancient Jerusalem there, but it's also a very modern city, so you've got blocks of flats and all the rest of it. Um, and if you look on the balconies of lots of the blocks of flats, you will see that they've erected tabernacles on their balconies so that during the Feast of the Tabernacles, they can sleep outside on their balconies and still fulfill the requirement to be living in tabernacles for the Feast of Tabernacles. So it's still kind of part of Jewish life today. Now this chapter begins with Jesus' brothers coming to him. And Jesus' family don't often get mentioned in the New Testament. When they do, it's frequently It follows Jewish calendar, which moves. So um, the answer is I can't. I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I will find out and I'll tell you. Okay. Someone, some, while we're sitting here, someone Google it before <laughs> for Steve. They're on it. They're on it. In, any more questions? The, yeah, no, just, no, that's, fine. that's fine, Steve. Don't worry. Um, so it begins with Jesus' brothers, um, and they—they they are. It feels October the tenth to October the twenty-first. Are you thinking about moving out into a tabernacle, Steve? Well, there's one well, built for me people. Cool, yeah. so, you know, no, I'm <laughs> quite happy in my bed at night. <laughs> Let me know when you're finished. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I mean, it, what I'm worried about is when people ask me questions and I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> Thank you very much for the, um, for the help, guys. So, um, so, Jesus' brothers, it feels like they're stirring it with him. Because on the whole, they're negative towards Jesus' ministry. And on this occasion, they come to him and say, are you going to go up to the Feast of Tabernacles? And you find at the beginning of chapter seven. Um, and they're kind of saying, if you're a great teacher, like you claim, well, obviously the place to be is where the action is going to be. And that's at the temp, at the feast. You should be there. Um, and kind of, he doesn't play ball with them. He, d- he won't kind of, kind of, he doesn't get sucked into this. And then we later read that he goes up there kind of secretly. Um, so um, and that's where we find him it, kind of in the passage that Katie read for us he be. Initially, we hear about him listening to what the crowds are saying, and there's this kind of mixed reaction. People are discussing him, and, and then he starts to teach them. And the culmination is this last day of the feast when he stands up and says, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me. And as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. And then John, kind of in his commentary on what Jesus is saying, gives us this little note of explanation For the benefit of the readers. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. And so kind of Jesus is pointing towards the pouring out of the spirit at Pentecost. And saying when people put their trust in me, kind of God's going to pour his spirit into their lives um, and through them. Um, And it's in that moment, kind of when Jesus stands up and does says that, that draws together these biblical rivers. Uh, and I think to understand that, we kind of have to set this whole event inside a larger context, which is what I want to try and do. We'll see how I get on. So first of all, kind of what's the significance of this particular day in the feast when Jesus stands up and says this? It's the last day, it's the greatest day, and it appears to be the day when the priests would have gone down to the pool of Siloam with golden jugs or or flasks and filled them up with water from the pool of Siloam and they would have processed through Jerusalem with kind of crowds on the streets watching them process back to the temple Um, and then in the temple this kind of drama would be enacted. Um, They would take the water in the golden flasks, and they will pour it onto bowls um, on the altar. And then they will take the bowls from the altar, and they will pour it out on the ground. And it's just this day of huge, huge drama. Um, And so if we're going to understand that, we need to get into the minds of the priests. You know, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? kind of what are they thinking in kind of bringing this water up through the city and pouring it out um, in the temple. Um, and the background to this is kind of the mess- messianic and apocalyptic hope in the Old Testament, um, particularly Ezekiel's vision in chapter 47, and he, where he has this vision of a river. And that's the first river that I want to talk about. And I just want to kind of read you a little bit about what, what Ezekiel sees and connect it with what's going on kind of in this reading. Um, and so this takes place at the temple. So Ezekiel chapter 47. And it says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Bear that in mind. The water's coming from the altar. And so they've poured out water. Kind of, it's almost as if what they've done is like a prophetic or a prayer action. They've poured the water on the ground, almost in the hope that they would see the fulfillment of what Ezekiel writes about um, or speaks about in this vision. Uh, and then he, the man brought me out of the north gate and led me around the, the outside to the outer gate facing east. And water was trickling out from under the south side. And as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. And what he does is he takes him along a path, of this river, away from the temple, measuring out a thousand cubits each time. And each time they go further away from the temple, this trickle has become a river and this river has got progressively deeper and deeper and deeper. And it gets to a certain point when he measures off another thousand meters or cubits. But now it was a river that I could not cross because the river was, had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? And then he leads him back to the bank of the river. And when I was there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Araba where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There'll be large numbers of fish. Because its water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the salt water flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to En There will be places for spreading nets. There will be fish of many kinds. Um But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on the banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And this is kind of like an apocalyptic vision of what the Jews long to see happen in the future. Uh, And that's what they're focusing on when they pour this water out uh, in the temple. There's been kind of 400 years when there's been no prophet's voice speaking in Israel. They're living under Roman occupation. They're an oppressed people and they're longing for God to break in. Uh, And they have this kind of vision of God breaking in. And utterly transforming everything as this river comes and it flows from the temple. And it flows out into the wilderness, into the desert. And wherever it goes, it brings life and it brings healing. And it's just this kind of, it's this a pictorial way of giving a picture of what it's like when God puts things right. Um, there's life, it's life-giving. It brings healing. Kind of hang on to those threads because they come together in the other rivers that I want to talk about. Um, and, it's, and and kind of the priests, year on year on year, repeat the same act of pouring this water out, longing for this to happen. And it's in that context that Jesus stands up and says, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me... Streams of riving water are not going to flow out of the temple, they're going to flow out of you. Everything you long for in terms of life and blessing and healing, it can all be found in me and it will flow out of you if you come to me and put your trust in me. So now let's take that river and Jesus' words and let's put it into the bigger picture of kind of God's eternal story. And that story begins... With creation. So in Genesis chapter two, we read about man being put in the garden. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And that's the second river that I want to talk about. In fact, if you read on, there's far more, but let's, you know, let's not get it too complicated. Um, but kind of the picture in creation, um, is of this place of abundance, kind of where, where God has put man and where kind of the abundance of Eden is meant to flow out and bless the whole of the earth. Uh, and, of course, kind of we know that the story of creation ends in brokenness uh, and decay. And we still live with the consequences of that. Um, but kind of that first river was placed there as a source of blessing for the whole of humanity to kind of feed life in the world in which we live. That was at the heart of creation and kind of it's snatched away by the fall Um So, kind of, that's that's the second river, and kind of, in a way, what Ezekiel is longing for is to see that river restored, to see kind of God acting in 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 history to to restore what was broken in creation. So, anyone want to give me a guess where we find the final river? Yeah, Revelation chapter twenty-two. Yeah, the the first river is in is kind of is is seen in creation. The, s- the final river is seen in recreation. Um, Ezekiel, tw- re- sorry, Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing out 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Ring any bells? It's the same thing as Ezekiel for Saul, isn't it? No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. Um, And they will reign forever and ever. And so the final, you know, the first river is kind of the one that Ezekiel foresaw. Well, actually, the first river is really the one in, is the one in creation, um, which is destroyed. Ezekiel f- prophesies it being recreated. And now we see it kind of be, you know, we, so, we kind of see that ap- ap- apocalyptic vision where this river throws from the throne of God. And the imagery, In all of them, kind of, it kind of echoes each other, doesn't it? Um, It's something that's life giving. It's something that satisfies every need, that brings healing. At a time like this, there is also incredible hope in it, isn't there? Um, You know, Revelation and John's vision is all about the earth being restored. You know, and when we have so much focus on the brokenness of the world in which we live, we shouldn't lose sight of the eternal hope. is isn't just about heaven and discarding this world. It's about this world being transformed and recreated and being, again, what it was in the beginning when that river flowed in Eden. Only now it flows from the very presence of God The other thing in it, which I think is incredibly relevant in the times in which we live at the moment, is that whole idea about the leaves that are for the healing of the nations. And um, I, I think over the years when I've thought about that, I've kind of thought about that in terms of physical healing and well-being and stuff like that, and I'm sure that it's true of that. But actually, you know, uh, know, of all the things that characterise our world, there's global warming and kind of the environmental mess we've made of our world. But there's also just the way that so many relationships, either between people or nations, are fractured. And people are turned against each other. And there's this sense that actually these leaves, the outworking of what God is doing in Jesus... Is for about the total transformation of humanity, for the transformation of the world in which we live, but also of the relationships that we share. And so Jesus kind of stands up, and when he stands up in the temple, kind of it's like all of those rivers, what God intended in the first place, kind of what's been what God is going to restore. All of it comes together in the person of Jesus. And he says, that's where you're going to find life. You're going to find life in me. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Um, and if you're kind of wondering why I'm saying this is the introduction to the talk I gave. I, I, I This is where I started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, because it kind of begs the question. You know, we, we believe in Jesus. And we come to him. Why is it that kind of still our lives at times are so fractured and broken and kind of we still feel so, such a long way away, um, from kind of God, what intent, what God intends for our lives. And that's what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. So there's a plug for Sunday mornings. Never mind. Um, but where I want to kind of finish tonight is Jesus standing in the temple, um, with that invitation. You know, we don't have to go hunting for the source of the Euphrates or kind of the Tigris, kind of you know, in in Genesis. We don't have to wait for revelation and the return of Jesus. He says, "Whoever believes in me, whoever comes to me, if you're thirsty, streams of water will flow from your very being." And I just think it just would be good to end this evening by just stopping and taking a few minutes just to draw close to Jesus, to come to him, um, to acknowledge our thirst, to acknowledge our need, even the brokenness of this world and of the people within it, that he might fill us afresh, those streams of water might flow through us, living water. So let's just take a moment, let's be quiet, let's choose to come to Jesus, let's choose to acknowledge your thirst.